be seated. Thank you, worship team, for uh, leading us in, to his throne this morning, and uh, we welcome you to the church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we welcome those in the video venue as well, and if you're a veteran in our church, uh, we want to say thank you for your service to our country and for serving us and allowing us to meet in you know, we've kind of always taken that for granted, haven't we? That uh, that we gather here and we can meet in safety. But we never know. Those believers last Sunday morning in their service could never have imagined that that gunman would have come in and done the horrific things that he had done. And uh, it's important that... We know what the Word of God says that, so that we can be prepared for moments like that. We're, we're in a two-part series right now entitled Come Home. And uh, last week we looked at the prodigal son and, and uh, the fact that uh, the, the, the son realized that uh, he had come to the end of them, himself. He had made the wrong decision, decisions. And so he un- owned up to his selfishness his sin, and he went back home to the Father, and the Father graciously received him um, uh, extravagantly, pouring out his grace on his son that the son did not deserve, and just giving us a picture, a glimpse of who God wants to be in our life when we humble ourselves and repent and come home to a relationship with Him. You know, there are people here in the United States, maybe you made that decision last week, uh, but there have been people who've made that decision recently. They've come home to the Father. But then an event of this nature occurs, and their concept of God and what God um, would allows or what would He protect us from... Um, that doesn't happen, that concept that we have that doesn't happen, we become disillusioned. The people walk away from the faith. And so it's really important that uh, we understand and know what the Word of God says. Um, and so we're going to be talking about the mind this morning. Um, that when we come home to the Father, that we stay home with the Father. That uh, we have the mind of Christ and that we're not caught off guard and become disillusioned with our faith when things like uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas occurs like it did last Sunday. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2 this morning as we're thinking of the mind. And Paul says this in in chapter 12, verse 2, and we're very familiar with this verse, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What happened last Sunday was tragic. God grieved. Uh, God saw the, sees the sin in this world and how sin affects
affects people's lives. And uh, as as people were gunned down last Sunday morning in that service, uh, God cared. God was there. God hurt with all of those individuals who experienced that horrific uh, event. And as tragic as that situation is, and as concerned as God is about that event and the pain and suffering that it's caused, God's equally concerned about how we interpret that event. God's concerned about what we know about Him. And and that's what I want to talk about this morning is um, having the right mind when things of this nature occur. Because our mind, your mind, matters to God. You know, we want to, we want God to protect us from pain and suffering. We're not promised that. But what God is concerned about is how we interpret those things. And so we're going to be talking about the mind because it's important that you and I learn to manage our mind. Because our thoughts control our life. Our thoughts control our life. Every action, everything that we do begins with a thought. And if you don't think it, you're not going to do it. But if you're doing it, it's because it's started with a thought. And the Bible is very clear that it's really important that we guard our heart, that we guard our mind. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, do Everything you do flows from it. So our thoughts shape how we live our life. Feelings don't shape our, our behavior. Thoughts shape our behavior. Another reason why we need to manage our mind is because my mind is the battleground for sin. There, there is a battle being waged in our mind. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but let me remind you of Romans chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. The Bible says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. There is a battle in our brain and when Jesus is, when Paul is describing in this Romans chapter 7, he's using war language. Okay? It's serious. There's a, there's a war being raged in my mind and I am a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within me. Satan knows how important our mind is. And whatever t- 
territory he may lose in coming home to Christ, he's going to do whatever is required to regain, recapture that territory that he's lost. And so there is a battle being waged and he wants to, ha- he wants to keep you and I a prisoner, a prisoner in, in our minds to the laws of God that we might obey the law of sin. And if we can find victory in our mind, it's going to lead to peace and happiness. God wants serenity in your life. But if you're going to experience this peace, there's got to be a private inner victory, inner, uh, inner victory over your mind. God has to be in control of your mind. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, my friends, that can happen. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So I just want to remind us this morning that you and I are governed controlled by what's happening up here. If we go back and look at the uh, prodigal son last week, the prodigal son changed his mind. He came to the end of himself. It wasn't the father who changed the prodigal son's mind. It was the prodigal himself who changed his mind. God doesn't change your mind. God isn't in control of your mind. You control, you control the uh, remote control. You have the ability to make the difference. But you have to make the decision. The prodigal made the decision to change his mind. We need to own up to our mind. And we need to take responsibility for our mind. The mind is extremely important. So how do you win this battle in your mind? Because God wants you to stay home. God wants you to trust Him no matter what the circumstances are in your life. And when pain comes, when suffering comes, and, you know, we want... God to take away that pain and suffering. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes we just have to go through the fire. And sometimes it's not going to end the way we want it to end. But God wants to know, are you trusting him? Do you believe that God is in control no matter what? Spoke to a mom last week who wanted prayer. Some very important events are on her horizon. But in the midst of these important events that you dream about your whole child's life, she's looking at a health crisis. And God may not take away that health crisis. And we don't know what that, what's at the end of this health crisis, but God 
is in control. And God is very concerned that He knows what we believe about Him. So how do you win this battle in your head? And as I talk about this morning, guys, we're all in this battle. Okay? Nobody's got this, this thing licked. Okay? This battle takes place in everybody's brain. And, and especially for Christians. If you're here and you're without Christ this morning, there's not a much of a battle going on. Because you're, you're a slave to whatever your mind, uh, is all about. But for those who are in Christ, we are alive to the things of God. And when we become alive to the things of God, you know what? The enemy hates that. He's out to recapture any territory that he may have lost. So how do you win this battle in your head? Number one, you need to feed your mind with truth. Feed your mind with truth. With truth. Now, there's a physical principle that uh, we're very familiar with. You know, if we want to have healthy bodies, we've got to eat healthy food, don't we? I mean, if we're if we're focusing on junk, um, our bodies are going to, uh, uh, you know, suffer the consequences from that kind of lifestyle. And uh, you know, as much as I uh, appreciate healthy food. You know what? Things like this capture my attention. Now, for some of you, you say, no, they don't. Well, you know what? Praise the Lord for you, but that's not my experience. And it is a constant battle. You know, the, when I, when I, when I cave into this kind of stuff, when I'm thinking about it, you know, my recliner's in the family room, and uh, my recliner is kind of sits uh, at an angle, and it has a perfect view of the kitchen. <laughs> and every once in a while, my mind, my eyes, will just be directed to what's behind those cabinets, what's on top of the refrigerator... And when I get those thoughts in my brain, it is really hard to say no. And as a result, I suffer with the consequences today. This is a physical principle. And just as there is a physical principle about proper health and nutrition and uh, eating uh, 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 healthy, there is also a spiritual principle when it comes to feeding our mind with truth. Now, the question is, when should you feed your mind with the truth, with the Word of God? It is so important that we do that because the Bible says, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Being a slave to sin. Being a slave in your mind. The battle that's going on in your mind. If we're feeding our mind with truth, we can say no to the temptations that are around us. 
So when do you feed your mind with truth? Well, it's, it's kind of like living a healthy lifestyle when it comes to your diet. Okay? Uh, now, honest confession, I'm back on a healthy lifestyle again. Okay? <laughs> I've abused my, myself for the last eight months or so. I've suffered the consequences. And now I'm making right choices again. And part of making those right choices is by nibbling my way through the day. And not nibbling my way through the day with this kind of stuff. Okay? But the stuff that tastes like cardboard. <laughs> you know, the stuff that's healthy for you. But it's important that, uh, you know, that as you eat healthy, that uh, you just kind of keep that metabolism re- revved up. Well, that's the same way it is with spiritual truth. We need to nibble our, 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 ourselves through the day with God's Word. And the Bible tells us this in Psalm chapter 119. I've got three verses, a couple in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 verse 147 says, Psalm says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your words. And so we need to be nibbling in the morning time. Next verse, Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And then if you turn to Psalm chapter 16, verse 7, uh, David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So Christian, you need to be feeding your mind with truth of what the word of God says. And if you're here this morning and, you know, you're just struggling with hope. Um, you're, you're discouraged and you're questioning God's presence uh, in your life. It's most likely because you're not feeding your mind with truth. Now, people have said that they've, they've taken the time to count the number of promises in God's word. There's nearly 5,500 promises in God's Word. And the only way we get to learn those promises is by nibbling on the Word of God. Spending time with God regularly. And as we do that, we are going to be people full of hope. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And even in trying times, even when people, when Saul was trying to kill David, man, that's, that, that's a great excuse for just being to depress and, and wanting to throw in the t- towel. But that wasn't David. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 95, though the wicked hide Along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. There may be some of you who are going through a really trying time right now. And as much as you want God to take away the trying time, God is more concerned about what you believe about Him. And if you're going to win this battle in your mind, 
you're going to have to feed on the truth. You're going to have to know what God's promises are, even in dangerous times, no matter what the circumstances. Feed your mind on truth. The second decision that you need to make is not only to feed your mind with truth, but you need to free your mind from destructive thoughts. Free your mind from destructive thoughts. We are a prisoner of our thoughts. Can I get an amen? Amen. And what kind of thoughts go through our mind? And we, when we think about those, those negative thoughts, those lies that aren't even true, I mean, it paralyzes us as believers. God wants to free us from those destructive thoughts and only, only Jesus can set us free. Devin Kelly, last Sunday shooter in that Texas church, was a slave, uh, was a prisoner of his own thoughts. I can't imagine the the hate the uh, the vile that was that was in his heart and life there had to have been something in his past that had hurt him uh very painfully but but he was a prisoner of his thought life now someone some people want to think or say, well, he just had mental illness. I think we need to be careful of saying that somebody had, that he had mental illness. Um, because I think it's offensive to others who have mental Ill- Ill- illness as well. Devin Kelly is descriptive of all of us. The Bible says when it comes to the heart of man, the heart of man is desperately wicked. And the only thing that can change the heart of man is the person of Jesus Christ. Devin Kelly didn't want to hear that. He did whatever was required to suppress the truth that God loved him. But what... Devin Kelly did has horrific uh, of an event that that uh, took place last week. It is reflective of a wicked heart, a degenerative heart. We need to free our mind from destructive thoughts from gravitating to things of this issue. But that is hard to do because we are fighting against three different enemies. The first enemy that we're fighting against is our old nature. Okay? Romans Romans chapter 7, verse 23 says, I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. 
there is a there is a law of my, in my mind, my old nature that is wanting me to be a prisoner of the law of sin. Again, that's war language, and we need to do whatever is required to defeat that, to engage the enemy, to uh, to keep from uh, caving into the self-defeating uh, behavior. Because this is the source of all of our bad behavior. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's an ugly battle that's going on here. But for Christians, for those who are followers of Christ, there is great hope. Because there is an alternative. There is another route that we can take. We don't have to uh, continue down the route of, of the law of sin and death. We can choose the, an, another route. And, that is, uh, and the entrance to that route is the cross of Christ. And when we follow the cross, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God gives us a gift in a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit enables us, gives us the power to say no to our old nature. Devin Kelly couldn't say no to what was happening in his mind. Because he was dead to the things of God. He did not have the Spirit of God in his life. And so he was controlled by what his mind, what his old nature was telling him to do. If we are going to free ourselves from these destructive thoughts, understand that we are fighting against our old nature. And if we're going to be able to resist our old nature, we've got to feed our new nature, our inner man. We need to be nibbling on the truth. Know that we have the Spirit of God in our life, and He gives us the ability to say no as we are making our inner man stronger and stronger by spending time with Him. So that's one enemy. Another enemy that doesn't want us to be free of these destructive thoughts is Satan. Satan wants to control your mind. Now, but he can't control your mind. Okay? Satan can make suggestions. And when Satan makes suggestions, boy, we have a tendency of holding on to those things. Really? And we begin to believe those things. But understand that Satan cannot control your mind. Martin Luther used to say this. He said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep the birds from making a nest in your head. Rick Warren says, you can keep the birds from pooping on your head. But in order to do that... You've got to stop listening to the, do- the lies of the devil. 
The Bible describes the devil as our accuser. I mean, he just wants to fill our minds with all kinds of negative thoughts. He wants you to think that you're not worthy of God's love or that God doesn't care about you. And if you want to win this battle, you can't believe every lie that he tells you. And understand that if you want to live your life for God... You're going to be in conflict with the devil every single day because he doesn't like the decisions that you're making. And so he's going to try to thwart your every move. And if you're not having issues with the devil, you don't see, he doesn't seem to be a big deal in your life. Well, that's a good indication that you're, you're, you're going with him. Okay, you're walking the same path he's walking. But if you are wanting to live your life for the Lord, just know that you are going to be in conflict with him. And we can't believe those lies that he tells us. You know, another big trap of the devil and having these self-destructive thoughts is unforgiveness. You know, that's one of his schemes. If, if you're struggling with with bitterness in your life right now, if, if there's someone who's done, done something who's really tried to hurt you and you've been harboring that, you've been holding on to that for a long time, it's not making you better. It's making you or bitter. I think that was reflective of Devin Kelly as well. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. If there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware we are not unaware of his schemes. This is one of his schemes, friends. If you're bitter towards someone and you're, you, you have a heart of unforgiveness, you're not willing to forgive, and you're just hoping that uh, your negative behavior or being ugly towards this person is going to get back to that person, you know what? You're not doing them a favor. <clears throat> Someone once said that uh, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that other person is going to die. That other person isn't going to die. You're just hurting yourself. And Satan wants to use this in your life. God says you need to let it go. God says, as I have forgiven you, of everything, so you need to reflect that forgiveness in someone else's life. But Satan is that enemy. Not only is it our old nature and Satan with these these uh, these destructive thoughts, but it's also the world's value system. That's the third enemy that that we battle against. And the world's value system says, you know what? You just need to focus on you. You are the person who matters most. 
But when it comes to God's word, God says, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about all that he has done for you. And us giving our lives to him and and loving others as much as he has loved us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. And so as Christians, we need to tear down these, these fortresses that are in our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought captive every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What are your strongholds? What are you choosing to believe? What lies are you choosing to believe? How many lies did we hear this week after the Sutherland Springs shooting? One of the lies we heard was that, you know what? Why do, why do you pray? Prayer doesn't work. God's not going to hear your prayers. Another lie we heard was, uh, you know, those, poli- those people believed in God. They were in that worship service. Where was their God? Their God didn't protect them in that worship service. There's no God. He doesn't love you. He didn't love them. Or we begin to doubt God's word. You know, did God really say that? You, you go back to the Garden of Eden when uh, the serpent was talking to Eve. He caused her to doubt what God had said. There's another lie that's going around right now. People are probably thinking that, you know what? It's, it's safer to stay home than it is to go to church. So I think I'm just going to start doing church from home. Is that what God's word tells us to do? Does prayer not matter? You better believe that prayer matters. Jesus told us to be people of prayer. If if. If prayer doesn't matter and Jesus believed in prayer, then Jesus was obviously a liar and so he can, he can't be our savior. His death on the cross is worthless. But Jesus believed in the power of prayer and he encouraged us as his people to be people of faith and be people who are praying when he returns. You better believe that prayer matters. It's in prayer that we remind ourselves that God is sovereign, that God is there, and He 
encourages, he, he gives us more faith to persevere for, through those times. Prayer makes a difference. God loved those people who were gunned down last Sunday. God cared. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Fear the one who can cast the soul into hell. We need to be people who fear God. Yes, those those beautiful believers and children, those bullets entered their body. But as they took their last breath last Sunday morning, they entered the presence of Jesus. Going back to Isaiah chapter 42 that I read at the beginning of the service. When we go through the fire, it's not a matter of if we go through the fire. When we go through the fire, when we go through the flood, when we encounter the storm, God says, it's not going to touch you. So who are you going to believe? A worldview that says, where was God? Prayer doesn't matter. Or a biblical view that says, God is sovereignly in control of all things. And he is very concerned about what you believe in your current circumstances. Are you trusting him? Your mind matters. And God wants us to be free of these these destructive thoughts that God doesn't care that God isn't there. That is the enemy. That's our old nature. That is Satan. That is the worldview that we live in. Church, this is not our home. We are living in a graveyard. Seriously, this world is a graveyard. It's filled with nothing but sin and death. Then you're thinking, well, there's so many beautiful things that we can experience that we see around. Absolutely. And you know what? That's the grace of God. But the Bible says there is something far greater yet to come. As much as you love this world, this world is cursed. This world is dead. But what is coming is going to be eternal. It is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it doesn't even compare to the momentary pain and suffering that you're currently encountering. That's God's promise. And that's what we hold on to. And we can hold on to that promise. You know why? Because Jesus is alive. The resurrection changes everything. 
because Jesus conquered sin and death, that he came out of that grave, we can believe every word that he told us. And as long as people anticipated and waited for his first coming, Jesus says, guess what, guys? I'm coming again. And so here we are 2,000 years later, and we continue to wait, but we can know that Jesus is coming again. And Jesus says, but before I come, it's going to get a lot worse. And you know what? It's getting a lot worse. And guess what? It's going to get a lot worse. And we need to have the mind of Christ. So we need to focus our mind on the right thing. We need to feed it with the right thing. We need to free it from the wrong thing. And number three, we need to focus our mind on the right thing. What's the right thing? Joe. <laughs> Joe. Okay, that's a that's an acronym, okay? That's my dad's name. So focus on the right thing, Joe. J stands for Jesus. We need to focus on on Jesus. The Bible says that we need to have the mind of Christ. Second Timothy chapter two, verse eight says, always remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. As horrific as last Sunday was, the tomb is still empty. Jesus has got this thing under his feet. He is walking on top of it. He is crushing it. And even though from a worldly perspective, from this side of heaven, it's hard to tell, we are to be people who live by faith and not by sight. And we can live by faith because, my friend, the tomb is empty. Hebrews 12 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I know it's easy to get discouraged, but... When we're focusing on Jesus, when the when Jesus is the center of our attention, we can have hope. We can persevere. So think about Jesus. Oh, and Joe. Think about others. It's not about you. You know, when I'm having a pity party, when I'm feeling sorry for myself, or I'm having all these negative thoughts and believing lies and just getting more and more depressed, one of the things that gets me out of that slump is calling somebody else who needs a word of encouragement. If I'll just take the opportunity to find out how somebody else is doing, I know that they need some encouragement. They need prayer. How's it going? And just listen about what's going on in their life and being a blessing to them. I'm telling you, it has a way of just pulling me out of the pit I find myself in. 
I want to encourage you to do that. One of the, the things around here that uh, is important, is key in our church, is our life groups. And our life groups help us to focus on others rather than ourselves. I want to encourage you that if you're struggling in, this, in your mind and, and you're losing the battle, focus on Jesus. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on others. And then number three, I'm thinking about Joe. E, focus on eternity. Think about eternity. Yeah, it's hard here. But this isn't our home. We're just passing through. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Just thinking of the the children who took those bullets on last last Sunday and, and died. How much that they miss of this life. All the future that they were robbed of. As sad as that is, as ugly as that was, it doesn't compare with what God has in store for them for all eternity. And no, it doesn't dry the tears of parents' eyes and grandparents' eyes, loved ones' eyes. It's okay to grieve. And God gives us permission to grieve. That's why he gave us tear ducts. And he wants us to use them. And we serve a God and Savior who understands every one of those teardrops. And the Bible says he counts the number of tears that we shed. God cares. But it's not about here. It's about what's yet to come. And as much as those families are going to miss this side of heaven, there is going to be a reunion that's going to last for all eternity. Our mind matters. And if we don't know the promises of his word, it is so easy to wander away from home. To give up on our faith. Don't. Feed your mind with truth. Free your mind from the lies. 
focus on Joe, Jesus, others, and eternity. Let's pray. God, only you have the answers. There is no other religion on the face of the planet that addresses these hard questions like your word does. And like Jesus did, God, as Jesus went to the cross and he faced the horror of death and of mankind and died. And then three days later, conquered sin and death. And because he did, God, we don't have to be afraid. As ugly as this world gets, we don't have to be afraid. Christian, if you're here this morning and you've been struggling with fear or doubt, you've been believing lies, let me encourage you to nibble your way through the day with truth. Start believing with what what God says. Feed your soul. you're here this morning and you don't have the hope of eternity you don't have a relationship with Jesus that's where it starts you need to give your life to Christ and how you give your life to Christ is you have to admit that you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God but Jesus wants to forgive you Jesus died for that sin and if you tell him that you just believe that that Christ died for you. You believe that he can forgive you of your sin. Confess that to him. The Bible says he will make your sin as pure as the driven snow. He will drive it completely away. If you've never made that decision, my friend, make it today. God longs to hear that prayer. And we're here to help you in that new new decision that you make for Christ. Father, I thank you for this time where we can just remind ourselves that, God, that you're in control. There's one here who needs prayer, who needs to make that prayer of commitment of faith, that, God, today would be the day of their salvation. Bless this time of invitation as we focus on you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing.